everybody. Today I'm here with Dmitry Yusupov, who's now at NVIDIA. He has a networking and storage background. He's working with Leonid Grossman, which uh, folks uh, who have been involved in OpenVSwitch and OVN for a while would recognize as a pretty familiar name because he's been in the communities for a while. Before we really jump into what we're actually going to talk about, Dmitry, do you want to say a, a few words about yourself? Yeah, so I was, prior to joining NVIDIA, I was actually in a different um, kind of tracks. I used to be uh, a hacker in uh, networking stacks, uh, also like TCP/IP offload uh, in the early 2000. Uh, after that, uh, Lenny and I actually did some work with a stateless offload and PMG adopters when they just appeared. I participated in uh, NVMe consortiums. And around 2008, I actually started my company, uh, Nixenta Systems, which was a storage company. Um, we were primarily doing networking storage at the time. So focusing on things like enterprise storage, scalability aspects of it, all the hardcore things. And we sold the company around 2018. And now basically I joined NVIDIA uh, to do the networking with the next generation. Particularly excited about the GPU, what NVIDIA is doing. So I can talk about that as well. All right, great. So it's been a while. It's been quite a while since I've published anything for Obvious Orbit. So uh, what's going on today? And the reason uh, we're talking to Dimitri is we had OVSCon just last week and uh, Dimitri submitted a talk, but it was too late after we'd already cut the deadline. And I expected it would be possible to get it into the program anyway, because usually at OVSCon, there's, there's some speaker who cancels after we accept Nobody did this time. And so uh, Dimitri had actually uh, prepared uh, a whole talk uh, with, a, with a video, uh, sort of ex expecting that we'd be able to slot it in after somebody else canceled, but nobody did. And so I said to Dimitri, well, let's do an obvious orbit uh, episode and, and talk about uh, what we were going to submit then. And so in the, uh, in the notes for this episode, I'll, I'll be sure to, uh, to point to the video that, that Dimitri made. Your talk is on OVSDB scalability. So scalability can mean a few different things. So what kind of scalability kind of a problem did you see? And what were you trying to solve, basically? Yeah. Yeah, here at NVIDIA, we are primarily focused on uh, building very large Kubernetes clusters. And uh, those clusters are going to be OVS, OVM managed. And as a result of it, and by the big number, so to speak, uh, we're talking about, uh, you know, 1,500 perhaps 2,000 node cluster. Uh, this is what we want to achieve um, in, in the very coming years. Uh, but in reality, uh, I want to kind of do, uh, circle back uh, what we found so far um, at NVIDIA, what uh, I think can be improved in this, this existing OVSDB. The scalability aspect of it, um, the implementation design aspect of it are really nice. It's a very nice piece of software. I really enjoyed looking through the code. I think a lot of it is just written by you, but I, I, I'm not saying this because I'm just I'm talking to you. I think uh, the primary reason here is because I, I actually truly enjoy looking through the code. It's very clean, very nice, nicely implemented, and nicely done. There are very cool things about OVSDB, and I probably should talk about that uh, a little more. One of the things which I noticed right away, this is transactional in-memory database, what it really means. Um, that means it's actually um, designed for really high performance configurational changes, rather than, let's say, if you're talking about HCD or anything like that, it is not designed just for that. It's completely different beast. 
Uh, we can talk a little bit more about that. But uh, if, when we introduced Raft protocol later on to VSDB, uh, obviously it, it was, there was significant tax, performance taxes shaded with um, uh, three replicas or two replicas plus one uh, synchronous. So the right performance get affected. Um, the read performance uh, uh, remain really, really good. And this is what's actually exciting about it. The concerns that we have right now is that certain aspects of VSDB um, uh, in, uh, essentially uh, initiating queries uh, that are uh, firstly single threaded and secondly, um, essentially just indexed by UID itself. And this is not a bad thing actually because majority of uh, southbound databases, they all um, um, essentially, actually I did some experimentation that you asked me to do. <laughs> all, all those uh, on southbound, I didn't see much of the uh, problem with this and UID is okay and this is what we cache a lot. But on northbound, I actually did some experimentation and we, and we found that there are certain queries that still executed and, and they are not indexed properly. So this is some of the things which I think I want to talk today about. And the problems that we see with uh, OSDB today is what's going to happen if, uh, you know, the amount of flows that it has to handle on northbound database is humongous. And in our case, this is literally like 2,000 two, two nodes, right? So this is the big one. And think about uh, Kubernetes uh, limitations as of today. So they claiming they can do 5,000 nodes. Well, this is incredible. So how are we going to do this as a VSDB? And this is what I want kind of community to start thinking about. Okay, how are we going to do this 5,000 nodes? How are we going to do this? All the, you know, all the things that uh, Kubernetes promising to do, like policies, uh, you want to create like enormous amount of CLs, the tenancy, namespaces, load balances. Um, so, so all that obviously creates a lot for VSDB. So I want to kind of go back as a community and kind of rethink about what we what we have and kind of what we want to do next. That's 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 why I'm talking right now. All right, there's a lot there. So let's step back just a little bit. I think that the work that you did is all oriented around the query optimizer in OVSDB. In most databases, the query optimizer is a pretty central, but the query optimizer in OVSDB is a little bit different. And maybe the thing to do would be to explain what it is and what it's doing and how it goes about it in OVSDB. Would you like to sort of uh, give give your your idea of how it all works? Right, right. Um, so, so today, when we receive uh, a call um, and then we process this to JSON RPC, um, which is an incoming call from the client of OVSDB, and this is essentially a single credit um, call. We unpack everything. Uh, we trying to make sense of the data where we want to uh, kind of get it out. So there is a router, which is a part of the OVSDB, which uh, takes take a look on the type of query. So let's say we're doing uh, a certain select from the certain, certain database uh, from a certain table. We then execute um, uh, um, essentially a search for those based on, on requirements. So, um, and those requirements can be, for instance, um, UID. So let's say this UID, I want to find this table. And this table, let's say uh, 20,000 entries. So this works really fast. Why it works really fast? Because we have the hash map and the hash map is essentially all, all one in complexity that 
just looks up for the entry and here we go. We just retrieve the row and then populate the things in the row and, and then that's the result. That's what it is today. Uh, now, we additionally have this index, which already actually exists in the database. We call it indexes. So you can look at the OVSDB IRFC and see that it's already there. Um, what indexes does essentially, uh, it guarantees the uniqueness of the record. That means um, uh, if let's say user wants to add additional record and the parameters on that index are uh, uh, listed in the schema, then a user will get an error. Now, what I've done, uh, I essentially enhanced that index uh, with additional dynamic edge maps. So what does it really mean? When we load the database, um, let's say from the disk when, on a startup, or we, when we're adding new record to the database, in addition to everything else, we're adding new entry into this dynamic edge map, which is correlates to the actual name of that uh, indexes that we're listing. So this works beautifully because A, we're not changing anything in uh, OVSDB schema at all. Uh, it is essentially just existing schemas. We're just accelerating them. Um, and B, the HMAP, they're very small. They, uh, direct, the amount of memory that we actually spend on additional indexing is just 16 bytes. If you take a look on the structure, which is great, right? So that it means the price for additional indexing is just 16 bytes on top of one record. Not that much. Comparing all the strings that we actually keep in memory, it's really not that much. Um, but the speed up is significant. Instead of linear scan, that what we do otherwise, let's say we want to search by name. And by name, we have to go into the linear scan, which is obviously ON complexity. And this is what the single thread will be bogged on. Uh, we're going to do O1 lookup in this dynamic H map. And as a result, we're going to get the output uh, significantly faster. By significantly faster, I mean, I didn't do like a lot of analysis, but in my slides I actually have some numbers. For those who are interested, they can take a look uh, on the slides after the talk and kind of see the difference. But I can tell you, I saw um, on, on a database with 60,000 rows, I saw performance gains uh, roughly uh, 20 times, which is quite encouraging. I would say. So that's that's where it stands right now. There is there is also some other things which I wanted to do but have not done yet. It's um, um, uh, it would involve sig more significant changes to the OVSDB, frankly. So I wanted to introduce a so-called candidate key or alternate key, so to speak. The alternate key is typically a thing uh, which you can say, okay, in the future I want to look up by using this this these fields. And I want to create index before beforehand. And once I have that index, then and when I'm doing this sort of lookup, instead of doing the linear scan, I can actually go ahead and using use that index rather than doing the linear scan again. So that work is not yet done, but it's something we can add in the community if you want to. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. And that, that's a very promising imp performance improvement. Uh, you went from something that's a linear scan. Uh, to something that's a, a essentially a constant time lookup, and you said that it uh, sometimes produces up to twenty times improvement. That yep. that's fantastic. So um, I'm I'm actually going to step back uh, even farther. A lot of people, when they think about uh, database queries, 
I think they're probably thinking of, of something like a SQL database where a, a query is something that can be uh, very complex. It can do, do joins of a bunch of tables. It, it might have several different types of joins. There might be uh, arithmetic operations in there. Uh, you can have nested or recursive queries, uh, perhaps even uh, with uh, some of your, your modern um, SQL systems like Postgres um, or Oracle. Um, OVSDB is so much simpler than that. Um, and OVSDB query is something that only operates on a single table. It can do a few simple kinds of comparisons of particular columns against values. That's pretty much it. So if you're a database person and you're thinking of OVSDB queries in that context, it's, it's a very special case. It's a, almost a pathological case of, of a database query. And that actually brings us to the usual way uh, that I think of people using OVSDB. The, the reason that OVSDB queries are so simple is that um, a lot of applications don't really use them. Instead, they use what I think of as OVSDB's main way to work with data, which is that it has an operation called monitor. And when an application uses monitor, it tells the database server that it wants to have a replica of a table or, or, or part of a table. And then uh, the, the server sends it an initial copy of that. And then as it changes, uh, the server sends the, the deltas one by one so that it always has a, uh, a replica of, of some version of the database. So in that sort of case, when an application is doing that, it doesn't really use queries uh, because uh, Instead, it has a replica of its own and it can index those however it wants in its own memory. And that's how Open vSwitch usually works. Uh, and that's how OVN usually works. And even the command line utilities tend to do that sort of thing. They very briefly pull down a replica, operate on it, and then send the data back. And in that case, they can use this, this UUID, which is the one case that OVSDB queries optimize well based on a hash. When does the query optimizer become important? What, what kind of an application um, actually makes use of this improved query interface? Yeah, this is an excellent question. I think this also brings important understanding of what we do in the year and in general, what is it we want to run on hypervisors, uh, so to speak, and what's the amount of resources we want to allocate for the hypervisors. And when we tend to speak about uh, very large topologies, such as what we're building, we actually don't want to allocate so many cores for the hypervisors. We want to limit whatever declaration we do to, let's say, just for SDN, is just literally just one core, maybe two cores at most, and just maybe less than a gigabyte of memory. Now, the question is, can we really fit in into all that performance-wise or not? That's a different question. But think about even bigger problem here. Think about the DPU case when uh, you actually have ARM cores. They are not even as fast as, uh, let's say, x86 cores. And this is maybe use case at NVIDIA particularly, but could be also not necessarily, right? So, I mean, you want to cut down on SDN uh, infrastructure as much as possible. You don't want to spend, let's say, 32 gigabytes in four cores on each hypervisor. You want to rather, you know, spend this on something else. Think about... 2,000 nodes. If you have 2,000 nodes and you cut, let's say, three cores out of, out of each, that's a lot of cores. Now we're talking about <laughs> 6,000 cores here. 
Well, this, this so, is a this is a common refrain in software-based systems. When you have a core that you could use for anything, you'd rather use it for your application rather than better. for your infrastructure. So it's, it's always better uh, to make your infrastructure more efficient. Exactly. And um, the thought here was, okay, so because we have these UIDs and um, UIDs would essentially require pretty much copy the entire database into audience memory or audience controller memory, and then doing some that sort of uh, lookups. If you think about like uh, other utilities, other utilities also need to somehow cache all that uh, on each side. So, and that will essentially create load, additional load on those HVs for that additional processing because all that, mem all that uh, information will be in memory, therefore you need to do this reversal now. In case of our architecture, we're actually um, doing a separation and using different SKUs for so-called different servers which handling just control plane. Uh, and those are really high performance x86 servers. And the idea here, okay, why don't we just do whatever we need to do as a computational point in uh, in x86 servers and keep our hypervisors very very slim and you know operating just less than a core of ARM ARM core, for instance, of course. So this is how I started thinking about okay. So let's take a look and what we can prove with OVSDB and maybe maybe uh, monitoring is a nice feature, and uh, but maybe we can limit monitoring just certain things where it's that matters, but doing all the queries on a high performance servers that was special, specialized for, for control planes. So that's the thinking here. Okay, uh, that, that makes sense. It's a, a little bit of a, of a different way to use OVSDB, but it, it's much closer to the way that people use uh, databases in a, in a traditional way. Um, so is this an, an adaptation of, of OVN that you're, uh, that you're developing? Uh, will there be some proposals around that? So we're currently using what we have uh, as far as the OVN development is concerned, and we are just in the initial journey to, so to speak, our bright future. <laughs> so we, we are, uh, eventually we will probably start figuring out how, how, how we can, you know, put hardware, uh, that we have, which is a, um, essentially GPU hardware and, and Bluefield-based hardware. Bluefield adapters is and for, came originally from the Melanox and uh, the company we just recently acquired. And um, uh, obviously we are very interested to make this work. Um, the, the key benefits of the GPU is uh, really uh, about uh, security, right? You're not running that stack of the networking in the host anymore. You're running this in the GPU itself. Therefore, you're providing that additional layer of the security, which is quite nice. So we want to make this work, but this is definitely the future we are going into. It might be that a lot of our listeners don't know that uh, that OVSDB that that one of the original motivations for it was that we wanted it to be able to run on very low memory switches. Uh, we started building it around 2009, and at the time we thought we were going to have to run on uh, pretty low memory, low power systems. And so OVSDB was designed initially to be uh, very very simple, so that uh, uh, those those uh, switches could uh, could run a server without uh, um, interfering too much with the other things that they. Uh, needed to run. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So this is this is good, and this is one. Uh, this is when I started. Uh, I, I think OBSDB itself is really nicely uh, done, embedded design, uh, so to speak. I think 
it, it is very simple, as you mentioned, and I'm looking at the code, it's very simple design. Uh, very easy to add things like what I just did. I literally did this over, over the weekends, uh, just delete it or not, just for the sake of experimentation. So uh, really nicely done. And I think, um, I think like, uh, like let, let's, let's maybe start thinking about, okay, so imagine Kubernetes with 5,000 nodes. Imagine that many policies, ACLs, et cetera, et cetera. So yes, we can do a lot with optimization of the computational uh, resources. And what you did with uh, DDLock and with the guys at VMware, I think uh, is, is, a, is a big thing. I think it will eventually be uh, that um, CPU saver, so to speak. I sure hope so. We still need to do a, a lot of uh, a benchmarking and, and iteration to make sure that it is, especially since the DDLog program that we built for OVN is really big compared to uh, any other uh, program that's been built with DDLog. So uh, we might have a little bit of a different scalability problem there where we're not quite sure yet. <laughs> yeah, Daniel, it was interesting actually to look at the DDLog uh, development. But my thinking when I was started looking at this Okay, so now that we have this excellent mechanism of doing of incremental uh, computation, why don't we uh, kind of take a look uh, at uh, what OVSDB provides? Today, it is a single writer bottleneck, right? So what it means, you have a single server uh, which accepts the JSON RPC requests and converts this into the stream of the journal modification. It eventually goes and committed to the, <clears throat> yeah, very intelligently to the JSON file. Even though it's a JSON file, it's, it's additional records, um, uh, which is quite nicely done. But it is single, uh, as I mentioned, single server implementation. And you have to actually go to the all these rough things in terms of to commit your redundant um, replica to the raft. And you're going through the hoops of the raft protocol. Uh, and obviously this adds up quite a bit. So first of all, I wanted to kind of compare uh, what we have with OVSDB versus other databases. And in my slides, I did comparison to ETCD. ETCD probably one of the interesting choices for variety of things that people are using today, like Kubernetes, for instance. And I thought, okay, what's the performance differences? Well, um, believe it or not, I found that performance of OVSDB with my query optimizations. Without query optimization, there are some problems. But with my query optimization, uh, we actually beat ETCD by quite a bit. Um, on on right performance, uh, we roughly two times faster. With raft, without raft, wow. we, yes, without raft, without raft, we are like on a single database. We are literally like maybe fifty times faster. I don't know what they've done to ETCD, but I think it's uh, so there is some assumption that there is no single. Uh, ETCD, there is always cluster of ETCD, so that's that's why a single uh, OVSDB versus a single ETCD is not probably an accurate comparison. So, but on reads, uh, we are like three times faster. So I'm actually not, I'm, I have this data presented and um, to kind of, to do this performance comparison, I built very simple key value interface that is exactly the same apple to apple value performance and for performance reasons uh, which you run against the TD and you can run this against OVSDB. This piece of software is also uh, going to be available and you will see the link in the slides. Once I executed that, I was kind of kind of amazed. So we actually have a very fast implementation. I think we should capitalize on it and we should find a way to make it uh, scale better. That, that's my opinion right now. 
it does not necessarily reflect the NVIDIA opinion, but this is just my opinion. And I thought that, okay, so once we have the DDLog, and I'm thinking about like two years from now, maybe a year from now, right? And um, we would need some sort of uh, a mechanism where we can do multi-writer, not just single writer, but multi-writer. So how we can do that. And potentially even a mechanism that would not involve uh, additional latency on the raft so that we can eliminate raft somehow and essentially do uh, a certain trickery that can be actually done in terms of to provide multi-writer capability. So I started kind of thinking all about that. And I think there is quite a bit of potential of doing this. Um, but the question, I guess, and a more question for you, Ben, is uh, the community already kind of split um, OVN and OVS, I think, two years ago, right? So have you ever, ever thought about splitting OVS DB and uh, OVS itself? And basically run OVS DB as a separate project, but essentially within the open org community? I could definitely see OVS and OVSDB splitting if there was a community that, that wanted to maintain OVSDB and uh, evolve it separately. OVSDB was initially so simple that it seemed to make sense to maintain it inside OVS. But these days, especially with the distribution and, and, and raft changes, it might make sense to have it as a, a somewhat separate project. Um, I, I think it really comes down to motivation, uh, w whether there are enough people who want to do that work and become the new community of committers and, and maintainers around OVSDB. It does, I think, a pretty good job of having separate or, or separable infrastructure from the rest of OVS. There is sort of sort of conscientiously a separation between the bits of OVSDB that are are part of OVSDB and the bits that are are meant to be exported to uh, to outside uh, clients and 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 software. Uh, and I, I would hope that that would uh, uh, that 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 would make it fairly easy to separate from the rest of the project. Yeah, that, that would be interesting. I mean, I think something we could discuss at the community meetings, right? I mean, as an idea. Because if, let's say, OVSDB is uh, run as a separate project, then I can see uh, its own velocity, so to speak, right? Like we could, for instance, uh, introduce, we could uh, introduce some breaking changes such as multi-writer or maybe even more aggressive um, uh, query optimizing mechanisms and so forth and kind of Move forward, forward, forward thinking uh, with regards what's going to happen with DD log, and especially with a distributed DD log, right? Which is <laughs> was quite interesting thing to kind of find out uh, the other day. So yeah, that, that's my thinking on this. What's your What's your next step here? Um, you've You've built these uh, changes to to support a better query uh, optimizer. Um, is that something that you've already posted? Is that something that you're planning to post uh, to the OVS development list? I will set in the patch probably um, sometimes uh, in December. And I I think we also uh, uh, will see if we will use me inside the actual implementation or not. But um, I can tell you, I mean, it's, it's a very simple patch, to be honest. And it's been done literally all the weekends. It's not it's not a biggie. I was just wanted to highlight how incredibly good the code base was and like uh, ability to add this patch was so like 
pretty straightforward to me. So that was an interesting experience. There's only a few parts of the code where I, I, I think they're a, a little hard to understand and, and, and hard to modify. Uh, I, I don't think that the, the, the query optimizer is one of them. So I, I'm, I'm glad that you also thought it was uh, straightforward and, and easy to modify. Does it piggyback on the existing support for unique indexes uh, uh, so that it, I, I think there was already some data structures around that. Uh, does, does it uh, uh, leverage those? Yes, so we are essentially using H, existing HMAPs and existing uh, plumbing. Um, all we do today is uh, with this indexer is essentially an additional step and identifying whether we can optimize or not. And then if we can, we go into the different loop or rather than the uh, linear scan and then executing exactly the same code. So it's very straightforward, actually, very straightforward. So I think that means that it, it can only optimize uh, indexes that are unique. An obvious direction of extension would be to uh, support indexing columns or, or combinations of columns that aren't necessarily unique. Uh, so this, uh, I was thinking about this uh, usage of the alternate key and potentially, right? So let's say, like, and think for a second, let's say you don't want to accumulate all these uh, databases inside the Oven controller, and you want to push this as much as possible to the centralized processing for x86 servers, uh, like in our case. So in that case, um, we will end up with a very complex queries. By complex, I mean it's not really complex, but they will be like more than just unique indexes. They will be a combination of fields here and there. And in that case, we would need to implement this alternate key and if we want ordered replies, let's say if you, if you don't care about the order, uh, we can use just HMAPs. And those existing HMAPs, they pretty fits really nicely. But if we need ordered replies uh, for the strings, in that case, we would need to introduce uh, new data structures such as P3, um, and we, we can do that. But this is kind of, uh, if you want to do that, so to speak, right? That's when things uh, start to get a little more complicated. Uh, I don't think that the OVS code base has a uh, an, an ordered data structure in it uh, right now. Um, it, it it might. Um, I, I don't know uh, whether it's uh, whether it's well known, but uh, one of the projects I uh, I was uh, that I initiated many years ago was a a pretty comprehensive uh, collection of of different kinds of, of balanced trees. And so if you if you start searching around for things like AVL trees and red black trees and C and so on, you'll probably eventually run into one of mine. Uh, although I've I've in, in recent years I've I've realized there are much simpler uh, data structures that actually uh, work uh, um, almost as well. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I mean, we could we could we could pretty easily introduce, and uh, there are so many existing implementations which are very simple ones for alternate key. Not we don't need like a complex model trading or anything like that. It is it is actually just bare bone B three uh, can be just B plus three perhaps or you know NRE three any any kind. At least, uh, as long as it does ordering for strings, that's all we need. So. All of these are forms of indexing for single tables. Do you foresee a need for joins? That would be a, a completely different uh, kind of a beast. Uh, but uh, so, so this part I don't yet quite understand from the code because my uh, understanding is that when we executing query, we do one by one. We're never actually going into the joint queries. So it's always going to be one by one, right? 
Right. The OVSDB query language doesn't support joins. I was I was curious whether you foresaw a need to uh, to, to introduce something more oh. complicated. This would require uh, new extensions to the OVSDB query language. Um, if you haven't thought about that, that's completely fair to say. Yeah, I haven't thought thought, thought that much yet. But I think if project is going to be uh, separated and indeed there will be some interesting velocity behind this community behind it. Then I think this is why not, right? So why not? This is OVSDB to me is very interesting relational in memory database uh, and particularly uh, interesting usage of the monitors and uh, capability of uh, doing very like kind of scale out kind of um, uh, cache, so to speak, uh, which will be updated pretty much um, eventually, right? And, and there are lots of use cases like that. Um, so I'm thinking that if OVSDB split will happen, then there will be probably a lot of users who will be, you know, using OVSDB not necessarily just for OBS, but this is just my thinking here. I might be mistaken. There are other directions that uh, I think might be interesting for OVSDB in a distributed fashion. Uh, so OVSDB for a single server for a non-distributed case has this feature that I haven't run into in other databases called ephemeral columns. An ephemeral column is one that you can update in memory and doesn't get committed to disk. And if you restart the server, you lose all the content. And this is useful for things that really are kind of ephemeral. Uh, for example, in OVS, we use these for statistics and network ports uh, where um, you might have, for example, the, the number of received packets, the number of uh, transmitted packets on a network port, and those get updated all the time. And you don't really care about committing them to disk, but it's nice for the, uh, for the client to be able to query them anyway. And when we added the support for distribution, uh, we had to drop that feature because I spent some time thinking about it and I couldn't figure out how to make it work out with Raft um, because you needed to be able to report the same numbers from all the servers. Um, yeah. But if a server died and then came back, you needed to somehow refresh it and keep it up to date. And in, in essence, it still seemed like it was a useful feature, but I couldn't quite figure out the semantics or how to implement it properly in a Raft context. So I think it would be interesting uh, if someone else found a, a useful uh, a useful idea here to to try to bring that back into the distributed environment and see if we can uh, figure out uh, how to make it work and what what should the semantics be? I, I talked to one particular um, a, a database and consistency person and and she almost made fun of me telling me that this uh, that this didn't make any sense. I, I think there might be something useful there so that that's another possible direction for some time in the future. I, I could see using that in OVN to report statistics for logical ports, for example. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, there are problems there. Like, uh, it's sort of like a write cache, like uh, ephemeral write cache, so to speak. You essentially need to run you distribute this to all the replicas in the raft, but uh, then it kind of kills the purpose, right? Because you're already spending so much time on actual networking distribution of it. Um, and so it's kind of performance-wise, it's not going to gain anything. Uh, the commit, so it, the commit to the actual journal can be avoided, I guess. It it might turn out, upon reflection, that it it doesn't make sense, and she was right. But I, I thought she dismissed it too quickly. 
I'm not 100% certain. I mean, um, we can think about this. I mean, this is one of the things we can, like, kind of think as a community, if this fleet, um, then this sort of thing can, can, can be of interest. Yeah, um, and I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what other people uh, want to do with OVSDB. It started out as just uh, a transactional way to configure open vSwitch, but it, it seems like uh, some, some people have come up with other clever things to do, uh, do with it, which makes me happy. Yes. All right, so uh, I think we've covered a lot of uh, what was what was in your video. Uh, what what did I forget to ask you about, or is there anything else you'd like to talk about that, that we haven't gotten to yet? Um, I mean, uh, I guess I'm, I'm curious to find out your thoughts on development with uh, distributed DigiLog, uh, and whether you think um, DigiLog will actually make it to that level when we can use multi-nodes to actually do calculation rather than on a single node. I think this one I, I always wanted to ask you if, if you think it makes sense for the audience to know, that would be interesting. DDLog, I, I feel like I have a pretty good handle on it. Distributed DDLog is, is something where I, I haven't been too involved in its design and it's also something that isn't completely uh, nailed down. So I think that would be a, a good thing to uh, to bring up with uh, the other uh, uh, DDLog uh, project folks, uh, uh, Leonid Rizik and uh, and Mihai Budio, because anything I say will uh, it has a, a good chance of being wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it's fair. What's the best way for uh, people who listen to this to find out more uh, or to uh, ask questions about what you're working on? Yeah, so we, we're going to post uh, slides, uh, I, I guess, um, and there will be links to the slides, links to the, um, to the uh, query optimizer um, changes, um, probably links to the OVS, I call it OVS KV, uh, keyword interface. But it's, it's really a, a Golang library um, that essentially does, runs on the Leap OVS EB. So we're gonna we're gonna pause all that, and uh, I think the people uh, who are interested to play with it, we can they can reach out uh, and you know on mailing lists, and, and we can we can walk through that. Great. Uh, is email the best way uh, for people to follow up with you? Uh, do you have a social uh, media presence like Twitter or, or anything like that? Yes, I, ha I do have Twitter. We can, yeah, email as well is fine. Perfect, uh, and I'll, I'll make sure to uh, include those links in the show notes uh, when we post the episode. Yes, well, yes. Thank you very much. Well, thank you so much, Ben, for organizing this, and stay healthy. <laughs> you too. Bye-bye. <laughs> okay, OVS Orbit is edited and produced by Ben Pfaff using Audacity audio editing software and released under the Creative Commons Unported 3.0 license. Intro and bumper music in this episode is excerpted from Electro Deluxe by My Free Mickey and the outro from Girls Like You by Stefan Kartenberg, both under the Creative Commons Attribution Unported 3.0 license. For more episodes of OVS Orbit, visit ovsorbit.org, or for more information about Open vSwitch, visit openvswitch.org.